Good day, everyone, and welcome back to the Not Safe for Work Photography Podcast. There are thousands of models and photographers creating adult content using modern platforms and taking control of their own creative lives. Although, you know, after that conversation we just had, I should probably add producers to that. <sighs> oh, well. Today, we're interviewing Ziva Fay. Ziva is a Phoenix-based traveling nude model modeling since 2012. She currently makes her living as a content creator. How are you doing today, Ziva? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I know. I am super excited too, although I am not going to be able to match your energy level. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm very, this is me. This is my energy level. I'm very well known for being a little, <laughs> little force of dynamite. <laughs> Our topic today is fetish work as a model. We've <laughs> definitely hit on it in the past. But it's a popular topic, and a lot of photographers, a lot of producers, and a lot of models want to do it. So we're going to keep discussing it as long as we've got new things to talk about. So I always like to start with how you got into modeling. You mentioned in your bio and on your website that you've been modeling since 2012. Mm -hmm. You started with Art Nude Live Modeling. What's your superhero origin story? How'd you get into that? I like telling this story. I feel like my story is a little different. It's a little more unconventional than your average model. I graduated high school in 2012, and I was one of those kids who went straight into um, college. I went into junior college at the local community college, literally down the street from my house. I could walk to it. And my first semester, I took nothing but STEM classes, and my my little 18-year-old brain was so just on fire that the second semester of college, I was like, I need something for the other half of my brain. And I actually literally was like feeling depressed and stuff because I wasn't being creative for that whole semester. So I took an art class where I drew models the second semester of college. And it was really fun. And the first like maybe eight weeks went by and I got really familiar and close with the professor who actually is the reason why I got into modeling. He was my model mentor. And um, a model that was like the main model, she just didn't show up. She had some medical issues. And he was like, well, I guess class is canceled. Go home. And I actually had just a lot of family issues at the time and domestic issues. And I was paying for college out of my own pocket. So I was that odd student that went up to him and I was like, hey, can you please not send us home? Can you like, can you put out a fruit bowl or or can can you put out a little little log or a cup for us to draw instead or paint? And I was sitting on this thing called a horse, which is like a, a little wooden device to put your easel on instead of like the classic easel thing that you sit in the chair. And I was I'm I was 18, 19, and I was sitting on it, you know, kind of an odd little gargoyle position, to be honest with you. And he he commented when I asked that question, he was like, You're sitting in a very odd position, like is that comfortable? Or you like, he didn't address my question. He just asked that instead. And I was like, like, what? Like, I'm fine. What? Like, are, can we do the, can I stay in class or not? And then he was like, oh, why don't you model? Do you want to model for it instead? And I was just like, does it pay? That was like the first <laughs> thing I said. <laughs> yeah. And mind you, this is back in 2012 where I was a waitress and I literally made like $2 and 35 cents an hour. And he was like, yeah. And I believe it paid $18.66 an hour. So as an 18-year-old back in 2012, I was like, holy moly. I like, 
I jogged. He was like, you got to go down to the front office, though. I had to fill out some paperwork really quick to make it me a legal worker at the school. And I was like, I I got the paperwork done. I can bottle. And he was just like, okay, let's let's do it. And I was like, I'm nervous, though. Class is halfway over. He's like, yeah, we'll we'll have you start modeling for my next classes. And I sat down and I, I talked to him. And I was like, Stacy to see me naked and George. And I'm just making up names. My classmates see me naked. He's like, okay, then since you're in the system, we'll go to the other college. And we, we drove 60 miles to Florence, Arizona the next day to, to Central Arizona College, which is a community college. Mm-hmm. And this is, a, this is the funniest part of the whole story. I went all out of my way so I wouldn't see one of my peers to see me naked, right? Mm-hmm. I went all the way to that college. It was such a far drive. I was so like, and I was in a little like room changing. And then they were like, okay, you're supposed to walk out into the stage, into the classroom naked. And I took off my robe and I walked up and I'm like in the zone. Like I'm not really looking at the students' faces quite yet. And I was like, ah! Okay, what should I do? What pose should I do? And so my my instructor, my professor, he was like, you're a martial artist. And so he was like, do do taekwondo poses and ballet poses because that's what I was proficient in. So I did a lot of like basic ballet and taekwondo poses. And then as I'm doing a taekwondo pose about 15 minutes into me posing, you know, the fog, the fog of the nervousness and the adrenaline of being naked in front of people kind of starts lifting. And I'm slowly looking around. And somebody I work with at Outback Steakhouse is right in front of me painting me. <laughs> oh, boy. So literally after that moment, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go back to my school down the street from my house and model. I was like... Literally, I went through all that work to avoid somebody I knew to see me naked. And it happened the very first. So I was like, whatever. So I, I modeled it. So after that, I modeled exclusively for the community colleges for like four years. And then the way I transitioned into um, photo modeling is I was in the classroom standing naked. And this guy, we'll call him Bob. He's my <laughs> age. And Bob was super nice. And he walked up to me. And the photography class and the, like, painting, sculpting class were, like, they were connected, but they weren't. They were, like, in the same building, but there was a hallway across from each other. So I would always, like, sit in the hallway. So all the photography students, like, saw me because I'd be in my robe. Like, I'd walk out of the classroom when I got my breaks. Mm -hmm. And he walked up to me at the end of the very last class of of the last semester in 2016. And he said, you know, it's a close, to, it was close to, it was, he had his final. So this is like mid-November because classes end mid-December. He said, can I take some photos of you for my photography class for my final? I said, absolutely not. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> and I was like, bye, Bob. <laughs> I started walking away. Like literally I was like, nope, nope, absolutely, I don't get, nope. And he like walked up to me and he was like, Hey, I, I don't know if I was very clear. I don't want to take nude pictures of you. I would like you to wear um that dress that you wore to school a few weeks ago, that cowgirl dress. And then, and then I, that intrigued me. I was like, I'm listening. Like, and he was like, and, and you know, it's, it's 2016. I was still going to college. I was like 22 at the time. I was in community college, still finishing up my associates and doing modeling and bartending. And he was 
He said, he wanted to photograph me in dress. He said, I'll give you prints of the photos. And then he said, I'll pick you up and I'll buy you lunch. And then I was like, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's interesting. I've never really thought about it, but models for art drawing classes get paid so much less than photography models. So Why is that? much less. And I actually did some art modeling a few years ago to try it again. And it only paid 25 an hour. And I was like, but I'm still naked in front of everybody. And like you're naked in front of more people, more people. And in my opinion, I'm doing more work because so I'm not a flow poser. I am. I call it I'm, I do the robot really fast. Like <laughs> that's yeah, that's the type of modeling I do is I do the robot essentially. So when mm -hmm. I am holding a pose on stage in front of a class, I, I am posing. I'm flexing like my core is working. And for me holding it for a long time is is a lot of work and I have actually held a pose for upwards to it was close to five hours I didn't make it to five hours I started my muscles did start atrophying mm -hmm. and I was like I'm so sorry I have to sit down guys it was a it's a lot of work for well yeah it's it's and I'm not sure why that is I think maybe it's just because of the consumer market in that Maybe that where the photos had the possibility to go, such as like Bentbox, Mannyvids, OnlyFans, whereas like you took, hmm. let's say, a hundred machine gun in yeah. in a in a ten minute span, whereas like you're sitting there for three hours, and they only produced one photo or one image because it's not a, like yeah. a drawing, a sculpture, maybe a painting, maybe 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 photographers too are used to paying more just because they're equipment so much more expensive than an artist's you know i don't i hear you but i also don't know if that's completely entirely fair to say because <laughs> you know sculpting and painting gear is expensive like oil Ooh. paints are pricey yeah canvases yeah, that's are fair. pricey and you have yeah. to keep and you have to keep buying more of them whereas with photography it's usually a one-time expense unless you're using film typically it's a one-time investment with warranties mm. Whereas, <laughs> right, whereas like, and here's the thing too, if you're, let's say your blue 42 of oil paint busts open, you might have a lot of other stuff ruined. So, yeah. which has happened to me. <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. So my, yeah. So that's kind of my origin story. I went from in-person modeling to photography with you know a friend with the experience and that that photo experience my first photo shoot was actually very magical for me in the sense that he took me to he took me to the it was it's called Coons Bluff here in Arizona and it's part of the Salt River it's called the Saguaro Lake area and I'm modeling and it's my first time like you know doing photos and a bunch of wild horses came up behind me hmm. and so for me with what I was going through in life, like I, at the time I was honestly going through a really hard time in my life. And uh, it was I, a really fun experience. I was treated very well by the student, Bob. Like he, he drove me, he, he, he did give me a meal. He gave me a little tip. He did give me the, <laughs> some prints back. And I, I was having fun, like crawling around in my dress on the desert and posing against trees. And then he gave me a little, you know, it was very basic. He gave me the fabric to wave around, very mm -hmm. amateur stuff. And when the horses came, I just, it was kind of a, 
a, a magical moment and like not to be super cheesy but my grandma had only been passed a few months at that point and she was like my my person so it was very like um, mystical and like it was kind of like oh you're you're meant to be here kind of thing or like so- something mm-hmm. was there and ever since that photo shoot I actually approached a, another friend who she had a camera and I was like will you take pictures of me she's and then she splattered paint all over me and she like put flowers on her bed and I was like this this fun you know now it's much more of a job and it's still fun but it's I, I don't get that that creative new you know new oh this is a new experience but I still love what I do and my origin story I think keeps me very humble and I think that it's actually really interesting for people to hear because I'm kind of classically trained in modeling in the sense that I I modeled in a school and had professors and teachers be like don't do this do this oh that's great like yeah rule of thirds all this stuff yeah yeah interesting so how did you get into the fetish modeling okay accidentally you showed up to the shoot and he whipped out some ropes and you were like oh shit kind of actually very close (laughs) okay so i started doing so little very we're, we're actually right past the origin story so all right past the origin story maybe about six months and i'm a facebook and instagram model at this point right i don't know what i'm Mm -hmm. doing guys i don't know what i'm doing but i am damn fucking trying my best i made an instagram (laughs) page i made a facebook page i joined these modeling groups facebook modeling groups this and that i'm i'm posting my little very semi-edited pictures that i'm getting back from people and being like would you like to book me Mm -hmm. so i saw there is this guy on Facebook. He's a local producer. Some girls with handcuffs on. And they're all cute college girls. Bright eye, bushy tailed, my age. All of them look hmm. happy or they're like acting damsel and stressy. I actually contacted him because at, at that point I was not well known. And I was at that stage where I was reaching out to photographers to build mm-hmm. my portfolio. Right. And the handcuff photos just honestly intrigued me. I was just like, what the and I, I've, I've been in some legal trouble too. So I was familiar with being in handcuffs at that point in my life. So I, yeah. So I messaged him and I was like, I'd love to work for you. This looks like a cool photo shoot. Blah, blah. He set it up and it, it was kind of the actual opposite of a bait and switch. That when I got there, it was like such a professional endeavor. He had a makeup artist and they and they sat me in a chair and she started, I was like, and there was like, huh. oh yeah. And there was a woman assistant on set, two woman assistants. And Interesting. to the point where the guy who owned it, I didn't even know her, that he was the owner because he was so in the back, like mm-hmm. letting the women and his employees run the show, which was really cool. And I thought the the assistant was the owner. I thought his assistant, Diane, was like the owner. And I was like, and at the end, she she, she had me in handcuffs and she put me, she did some boudoir with handcuffs on with a cute little pink dress and like made some damsel in distress faces. And I was like, this is a really, this was really fun. When am I going to get my photos? And she, she, she goes, no, 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 honey, you're getting money, not photos. (laughs) But I didn't. And. That's when I learned, that day was when I learned that the difference between TFP, like trade for print, trade for photos, trade for content, and 
being paid and that in your if you're paid you're you're technically not allotted the rights to the photos and i consider Mm -hmm. it just as a side if anybody does pay me and give me photos back i consider that a sign of good faith a tip and or a gift so i always really really appreciate that and it's a very kind gesture but when i was learning i was like especially back then i was like 160 Oh, for an hour of work? Like, what the Mind you, to give you guys some perspective, I worked at the chain at the time. I was modeling on my off days, like my one or two days off a week. I was working at the chain Bucurbepo, and I was the, like, weekday bartender, dinner waitress, and I made $250 for 13 hours of work on Christmas. So getting that yeah. money for one hour of work on not Christmas, was like, it was crazy awesome. It's just so crazy awesome. Like, so that's how I fell into fetish modeling because I realized I get paid one hundred and fifty dollars for an hour to be idiotic. Yeah, like I and I'm really good at it. Like I'm really I'm very silly and uh, vivacious and. I and I say idiotic endearingly person because you've probably seen or if you guys haven't seen check me out my on-screen persona is very eccentric and uh, I I don't know it just it was it was a really cool situation and that's how I fell into fetish, fetish modeling and there was a few models that worked for that guy that worked for some wrestling rooms and they were like you should go wrestle for him and I was like oh, I want to literally to some other models i was like well if there's another producer that pays the same like and it's like other type of fetish and they were like it's wrestling instead of handcuffs and i was like well i have a like i was working on my black belt at the time i have my black belt now i was like well i'm working on my black belt like i love to fight i'm kind of like and you paid like all this stuff i was like it just kept sounding sweeter and more awesome and more awesome and it is i love fetish modeling that's how I fell into it. I literally fell into it. I didn't even know I was doing a fetish modeling gig at that handcuff gig. I thought I was just kind of modeling with a cute, shiny prop on. And then later down the road, I was like, oh, that's fetish. But <laughs> it's kind of interesting. It is, it is interesting that just the addition of the handcuffs. Yeah, because it was literally the same exact like bourgeois, like cute girl on a bed bright eye, bushy tail, stuff that I was doing the months prior. The only thing that really did make it different is there. I was now wearing handcuffs. Yeah. And Same uh, thing I with just, foot fetish. Yeah. You're, just, you're focusing on a different body part. Hmm. Yeah, I did wear shackles and I wore cuffs and interchanged them. And yeah. And so, and I didn't understand that it was fetish actually at first. <laughs> it took me a while to kind of learn the difference between like, oh, this is art new. This is art nude. This is glamour nude. This is fetish. Oh, this is penthouse. Like, it, it did take yeah, yeah. me, yeah, a while. In, in experience to, Just, yeah, in experience and also, like, talking to other models and producers and be like, what do you charge for you doing this? Or, like, what do you pay for models doing this kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I see. I like that you lay out your fees on your site. I find that a lot of models don't, and it can be somewhat anxiety-inducing to kind of have that discussion with models. It can. So I actually, I read your message earlier about how 
And I feel it the same way on the other end. It can be anxiety-inducing to tell you my prices. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, I don't know, but like certain people can just have a certain expectation or standard or or lack of knowledge or even just thinking that they, they're so awesome or stuff like that. So it kind of makes it for me, in my experience, it, it, it does cut out some unnecessary fat off the meat of the conversation where I can go, here are my different rates and packages. You look at what interests you. And then then you can come to me and say, I'm interested in two hours of penthouse or I'd like to do a day rate package that has multiple stuff where we do some laundry, some nude and some explicit. And like and I I ended up doing those packages, too, because I was having so many different photographers book me for packages and stuff. And I, I honestly wanted it to become consistent because I was I was starting to get. A lot of emails, especially like during the pandemic, like right when the pandemic started, I started getting a lot more people asking for for like full days. Like they wanted to book five, eight, ten hours at a time, which is awesome. But I didn't want the negotiation between me and the photographer to be different between me and other photographers and essentially make my business or packages unfair to anybody. So I feel like doing that in so really makes it clear, concise, and fair across a fair experience across the board in booking me and my time. Yeah, and we'll talk we'll do some more talking about rates later, but I don't want to jump the gun on that. Yeah. So would you find photographers typically mostly book you for two hour shoots, half days or full days? And mostly it's two to four hours. Those are like the what I'm mostly used to. Two to four hours. And then I'm I do get quite a few half day and full day, but those are usually more with photographers who were where you are traveling on location to a really pretty spot. And I have quite a few who will do that with me regularly. So like hmm. they book the eight hour full day because they know that we're tip we're actually only getting five hours of shooting because we're going to drive to Red Rock. But no, I, yeah, yeah. But I feel like that's actually it. I what I do is I cap my my day rate at the five hours to give you the basically three hours of travel time, which I feel like is very fair. And I've discussed with other photographers, and they're like, "That's very generous. It's essentially three hours of free travel travel time." So, and I have gone with photographers to their from what point A to point B before mm-hmm. in one day, and that that was fun. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense for that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of travel, I see that you've started including a traveling fee. A few different things. And my traveling fee is really low. Like it's really low. But there was basically a few gigs where I drove two or three hours to location alone myself. And like the expectations weren't met. Yeah. And um, like... So I'm just like, I have to make sure that I come out in, in the red, that I at least come out even. There was, there's just been a, you know, models experience no call, no shows, just like how photographers do. <laughs> so I've, mm-hmm. I've driven on location a few times and like ha- I've had expectations just not be met or communication and where we've decided maybe this shoot isn't going to be for us trade or 
oh, I thought you, you know, an email. You said you're gonna be here, and you're gonna have. We we're gonna have lunch, or and we're yeah. an hour away, and I'm starving. So just like just to make it more, <laughs> yeah. Just I just started getting a little more L's than I wanted, and also to be honest with you, I get well. Everyone knows gas is very pricey right now. So yeah, yeah it it unfortunately. I have been doing this for quite a while. And with to backtrack a little bit, my rates have actually never increased. Well, since the rates have come back again, I guess we might as well jump into it. Have you gotten any feedback on the explicit rate menu from other photographers or other models? Yeah, so I've actually gotten a really mixed comments on it, to be honest with you. So I'm not sure how I entirely feel about my, my rate menu. I think it's very clear. But I've had a few like editorial photographers be like, you shouldn't increase your rates by explicitness. And I'm like, and they're Oof. like, that devalues you as a human. But I, but then they're, they're not really in the like sex work or adult industry. And then I've had other people who are more in the sex work or adult industry. And they're like, yeah, I do the same thing. I increase my rates as explicitness increases. Or they're like, yeah, well, yeah. that looks similar to my rates. Like I do, they're like, yeah, I do similar packages. So I've, I've heard a really mixed, um, reaction. Also, it's really mixed on the answer, whether it's a photographer or model, the models are like, oh, that, those rates are great. Like they were like, charge more. The photographers usually are like, oh, that's some, you know, and I do. I do say in my rates, open to negotiation. I do think it's, I think it's nice for photographers who have a, who have a budget so they can see and they can know like this is in or out of my budget. Yep. I, and I actually will ask photographers, do you have a budget sometimes? And if their budget's like $300, be like, okay, would you like two hours of explicit? Do you want this, what can we do to make this time the most customizable, useful, and best experience for you? Because I do see it as like they're booking their, it's their, when you're booking time with me, I view it as your customizable experience with me. I mean, that doesn't mean mm-hmm. you get to do whatever the fuck you want, but that means you have a lot of leeway to, you know, I want to do this. I want to do some artistic nudes. I want to, can you pose like that? You know, I'm very open to collaboration conversation interesting there is one step that i'm kind of unsure of well two things first of all do younger photographers understand the difference between playboy and penthouse style dude (laughs) okay i cannot tell you how many emails i actually get almost daily asking me the difference between playboy and penthouse so i'm just gonna sidebar and so everyone can know what ziva Faye's definition of playboy and penthouse is okay playboy is my legs are open. I'm posing, I'm smiling, my legs are open. Penthouse is imposing, I'm smiling, my legs are open, and my hands are spreading my labia and like posing my pussy. That gotcha. to me, that's the difference. It's like the actual posing of the vagina and like Yeah. Yeah, like your hands down there. It's it's more of like <laughs> so. Yeah. But yep. no, I don't feel like a lot of people know the difference. I get asked all the time like all the time (laughs) that's funny because i was actually that was gonna be the second thing i thought so when i think 
Playboy style. I was actually thinking glamour nude. I was not thinking open leg. Uh, generally, when I think open leg, I think penthouse, what you described as penthouse. But you're right. There is a difference between simply being open leg and then you know, actively doing something. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and when I say open leg for Playboy, I don't mean like I'm sitting there and like super spreading like yeah, the yeah. most open leg position. I mean, it's just like poses where I'm not, it's my legs aren't together, you know, maybe yeah. like a crisscross applesauce and like cute, right. and like holding a soda can or something like that. Exactly. Like there's a different implication with posing that specific body part to gotcha. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. And right. yeah, and with my anatomy, like not I mean, this is the not safe for work podcast, right? I have <laughs> we we have the explicit tag. Right. That's fine. Like to be a little not safe for work, I have a very long labia. So like I do have to use my hands and my fingers to like do a finger spread to like pose it out. I've had so many girls literally like me modeling and they're like, Your labia is really long. I'm like, yeah, well, so what it what it what it gives. <laughs> and they're like you haven't cut it off and i'm like what and oh, I, yeah Jesus. and i've met like i even had a roommate and she was like dude i cut mine off mine were, were as long as yours and i was yeah, like vaginoplasty maybe a plasty why would you do that because yeah for me it's actually part of my marketing like people know i have a long labia like a very long labia and like my customers like it about me and like they i mean that it's me. I have a long labia. Mm. Like <laughs> No. And we've we've spoken with models in the past who do the same thing with body hair and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Because they market their certain yeah. body parts. Yeah. There's there's a strong desire for people that look natural. I think that's a big part of why OnlyFans and stuff like that are so popular now. People want real people. They got sick and tired of the 80s and 90s, the cookie cutter Barbie types that all have identical vaginas and identical inflated boobs. And I think they like a little bit of actually the turbulence that a real person goes through. Like, this is going to sound a bit odd, but I think that the fans actually like to see like that we have bad days and that we mm. actually don't post like celebrities like it's awesome all the time always. And that because it allows them to intervene in a sense and like send send us a gift, send us a tip, make our lives better in ways that actually directly impact us. And then we we can no we literally notice them and we might send them a thank you or yeah. build build a actual relationship with the fan in that way. <laughs> and no, I, I agree with that. Yeah, like there's an easier way to literally build a personable relationship with the quote unquote famous person, which, you know, we're all famous, I guess, in different degrees with how we do this. Um, And it's it's actually really cool because a lot of people like as I meet them, like some people are so starstruck when they meet me and I'm just like, I'm just I'm just Siva Faye. Like, what the? Yeah. What? yeah. No, celebrities are like God. Celebrities are like myths at a distance. They're they're impossible. They're shining and golden but content creators especially like the whole point the whole point of content creators is somebody that you can legitimately fall in love with someone who theoretically could be living next to you and you could meet right and I, I also think about content creators is kind of what I said is is the interaction that a lot of us do interact with our fans in literally some way even if it's a small way that says thanks for subscribing or just the fact that our OnlyFans is there and we're like, hey, thank you. Like, 
you can order a custom from me. Even if we mm-hmm. haven't been like, thank you so much, Nathan. I really appreciate you sending me bubble tea. <laughs> yeah, which happens. Like I have, you know, you I, I personally develop relationships when when I do go through hardships and people do do kind acts of kindness for me. I don't I personally don't forget it and it puts them in a little bucket for me that is like, okay, they're they're kind of a super special nice fan and like mm-hmm. I try my best to repay those people too in in small ways like I prioritize sending like I am like I said at the very beginning, editing is not my skill set, but like for those a few yeah. people, I will try and really edit them their customs fast or send them like a little feet pick and be like, thanks for the $5. I'm going to enjoy my salad later. You know, stuff like that. All right. I had other, other rate related questions, but we need to move on to the actual fetish related questions. Cause this is supposed to be a fetish related mm-hmm. podcast. <laughs> no so problem. you've been doing, no worries. You've been doing fetish related stuff for sounds like five or six years. Has it changed at all since you've started? Yes and no. I'm going to say it's changed in the sense of like, I've learned more. I know more what I'm doing. I know how to play the game more. Mm, The game. Yeah. And what I mean by that is like how to be professional, how to book, what the psychology of a lot of fetishes are. That for me was actually really difficult. I was hired by some, when I first started doing fetish stuff, I was just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to be doing on camera. I don't know what why this is gonna sell and you know they were directing me it's their job to be like okay now put your foot in the camera and wiggle your soles and say now do a joi countdown i'm like okay but i didn't understand the true psychology of it and be like okay they like the soles and this part of the feet for this reason and this part like maybe their love map was made this way or this part of the psychology or this part of what is it called that i can never say the word the humongous like the human brain map (laughs) love thing just stuff like that (laughs) but yeah i love fetish work it's definitely been a really good learning experience for me especially meeting lots of different fetish producers because when i first started i was just basically doing working with those two guys doing handcuffs and wrestling now I do handcuffs and wrestling and feet and inflation and wax and balloons and lots of damsel in distress and yeah. base and transformation. And basically, I've personally found for fetish and for Ziva that if it's a silly fetish and if it translates like to, I call it soap opera acting. And that's like you're being really dramatic with your body and with your face and your facial expressions and you're like no i can't believe it i'm good at that kind of acting like the sillier i can be on camera and it's and it's warranted and welcomed i feel like the Mm -hmm. better i do interesting yeah but i can be professional and like like i've been like i've done a movie before like i just i'm really i I don't know if you guys can t- even tell from like the podcast, like my voice, and, like I'm very like uppity, I'm very like silly, and, like I have a lot of energy. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is a new question that I'm dropping on you because earlier today I was just listening to Holly Randall's latest podcast, and oh, no. she mentioned she was talking with a oh, I can't remember her name, 
but she's talking with somebody who is talking that even since the beginning of the pandemic, there's been a change in the adult industry. She does adult films mm-hmm. and photography. And she was mentioning that they've started to see consent checklists make their way into shoots from the fetish and BDSM scenes. Have you seen any consent checklists? Yes. And shout out to fetish pros. They are so professional. They do a fetish consent interview before and after every shoot, which is really, really cool. Really cool. So they interview you. They ask everything that they're going to do. They do the checklist and they're like, are you cool with this, this, this? They get it on camera. You saying yes. Being like, yeah, I'm cool with this. I'm cool with this. Also, in that, uh, in that same bucket, what I've found is getting something like a checklist or an interview ahead of time and after is really important. And having the models, especially on like a porn or fetish set, when they consent, this is something really awesome and important that I heard. Always make sure that it's an enthusiastic yes for consent. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And what that means is that it's like, yeah, I'm down to get a ball gag in my mouth. Or I am so down to get tied up and suspended from the ceiling. Like, yeah, yeah let's do it. Rather than like, yeah, I- I'm, I'm down to get a, I'll, I'm down to get a ball <laughs> gag in my mouth. Like, which is, the, which is, the implications is actually really different. Because yes, the model said yes to both times. But the demeanor is so different and you don't want the model a week down the line where you paid her and you put in all this work for the production being like, I wasn't cool with everything that happened. Or. Oh, yeah. Yep. Or I need you to pull that content. It wasn't cool with me or I wasn't, I didn't like, you know, so an enthusiastic yes is something like for actually everyone's safety, the models and the producers rather than like, yeah. Well, that's. That's kind of what I wondered about the checklist, because on one hand, it protects you if you do it beforehand, but it still doesn't protect you from somebody changing their mind. And in fact, could almost give you a false sense because you're like, oh, no, she said she was totally okay with being gagged and tied up. And in the middle of the shoot, the model's like having a panic attack or something and struggling and trying to get out. And the photographer's like, oh, wow, she's really into it. Snap, Uh... snap, snap. That's super valid. So for me, I've been doing this long enough that if I do give an enthusiastic yes, I'm not going to consent to something that I don't have experience in. Mm -hmm. And if I am going to consent in something that I don't that I don't have experience in, it's it's not going to be on camera at first. Yeah. And it's right. So I that's very valid. And honestly, I the only answer I would really have to rebuttal that comment is hire professionals. Don't hire a girl that you just found on Craigslist or your friend that takes lab classes with you that you think is really pretty. (laughs) There is a big difference between a pretty girl and a model. There's a really big oh. difference. And, and a lot of people sometimes don't see that. They don't see that or realize it. Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think number one, having experience in the BDSM and the fetish scene before you start doing fetish photography is a big part so that you yeah. can recognize the difference between real struggle and fake struggle and having some of those safety protocols in place. And second, the I, I really like the interview before and afterwards mm-hmm. where... Yeah, because then you can have like, you no, know, 
I changed my mind afterwards. I want you to never release this. Exactly. Exactly. I I agree because it can be totally different. You can be like, yeah, I was cool for everything. And then, you know, yeah. let's say at the end of let's pretend this was in person instead of a podcast. And I would mm -hmm. at the end of the 90 minutes, I was like doing the consent interview. And I was like, hey, yeah. I'm not OK with this little scene that was done. I didn't like mm -hmm. it when you vibed me or when or yeah. even, or even being even on a different sense or other not being okay with things happening to you or even being like, can you not post that part where I just fell? Like I fell down. Mm -hmm. Can you not yeah. post that part? Yeah. Cause that well, has actually, too. yeah. Cause that has actually happened to me where I've been like, mm -hmm. I straight up fell, like crash biffed <laughs> it. And I was like, can you please, please not put that part up for sale? Like the photographer's like, that's my kink. He was like, okay, I'm not going to put it up. But then, like, now that it's been a few years, we're both like, oh, man, we should have put that part up where I fell. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Interesting. No, I'm glad I'm glad you've seen that. That's I'm going to have to remember that. I don't do fetish and BDSM work, but if I ever do, I'll have to remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's really cool because I do this so much and I work with so many people that um, working with a lot of different producers and models gives me that opportunity to see how other people work because I wouldn't have seen that before and after interview process if I didn't work at, work with a specific producer in Vegas. So that was it's, it's just really cool how everyone in this industry has the opportunity to run their business so differently while still achieving around the same goals. All right. Uh, do you think photographers tend to shoot fetishes they have or do they tend to shoot fetishes that pay? Honestly, for them, okay. You said the word photographers, and that makes me be like, eh. So there's like a difference between, we call them GWCs, guys with a camera. <laughs> and there's like a difference between that and a photographer. There's just like a level of professionalism that's there and like how much social media you have and stuff like that. I feel like yeah. a lot of guys with cameras, they, they shoot their fetish. They like feet. They want to shoot your feet. They are hiring you for a photo shoot. And then they might even be telling you that. Or they're like, I want one or the other. They'll be like, oh, it's a feet photo shoot. So you're just putting your feet out there. Or they might not even tell you that it's a feet photo shoot. And they're just like, you want to pose with your feet out? And you're like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> you're like, I charged you the wrong rate. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I know like, I'm wearing all my clothes. but Right. I think exactly. You're like, I'm doing a lot of yoga poses. And I'm like, oh, you're getting some artistic yoga stuff. And I'm like. I'm like, clearly he's getting all the angles of my feet or like, <laughs> like, just like a lot of guys just like to shoot naked girls and be around a naked youthful girl. And yeah, yeah it's for them. It's not even the photo shoot. I feel like it's. And I say this endearingly and lovingly. <laughs> Excuse me. I call it the Disneyland experience. And I feel like a lot of people book the time for fetish or photo or whatever is for their Disneyland experience. And what I mean by that is not only are they shooting their fetish that they have or whatever, but they're talking about their fetish. They're around a pretty mm. girl. They're spending time just with a youthful girl, just like literally hearing our voice, like just being in their presence, probably have the opportunity to take us out to lunch before or after and spend even more time and hear our voice and like not to be weird like smell us and smell our perfume and just you know so 
it's I call it the Disneyland experience because a lot of fetishists are their fetish might just be Ziva <laughs> too. So you they know, want an experience with me, and that's why they're I, looking. Yeah, I, I spoke with Melancholic about that, and she was discussing how she sees even art nude modeling for certain people as a sex worker. Oh yeah, I but, do. Yeah. Yeah, for just the reason that you're talking about, where they're not, there's not sex occurring, but it's a sexual experience for certain photographers. Yeah, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree to that. I, I know that, and I've actually been told this to my face that really? it, it's a not so like I'm not doing anything sexual. We might not even be literally coming in any physical contact the entire two, four, five, six yeah. hours you're booking me. However, it is a cathartic or sexual experience for the person in that, like what I said, they are spending time with a youthful younger girl. And especially because I have a lot of life into me, like I've had photographers be like, well, it's really nice because I get some life breathed back into me. Or they're like, I get a fetish experience of like kind of it's kind of almost like a girlfriend experience where they, they get something even if they're not having erection the whole time, they, they do get something, <laughs> they get something out of it where they go home and they're like, wow, I got to spend time with it was, it was in some way a s- sexual experience for them or, or even they like to see the oh, naked woman's body and they know that, okay, I'm not going to take raunchy photos doing this and this and that. So they're like anything, if I can just be in her presence and oh, I've got pretty pictures of her nude and they're my pictures and I took them. And that's an intimate and special experience for them that they took the pictures of me naked yeah. and their, their <laughs> pictures. And I know that that's, a, that's an experience that does happen for people. And I'm, you know, okay with that. Yeah. For a lot of those people, I would imagine a lot of those people are probably older, 50s, yeah. 60s, because that, I, I have to imagine that's almost an artifact of an older generation that grew up on play, actual Playboys and penthouses, so, where they see that what? in like a magazine, where it used to be like a a very special thing, a very unique thing to be able to take pictures of dude models. Right, very coveted, very and exactly, and yeah. like there's as opposed to younger people where they grew up with a cell phone that had a camera on it and taking nude selfies and nude pictures of your girlfriend. Like that's just something that everybody does now. And access to Tumblr, like literally, porn mm-hmm. has been in mm-hmm. our my generation's face. No, so I there's two parts to answer that question. I definitely agree with that that it is an older generation, and I actually like side sidebar slash to go along with this slash to plug myself i market my <laughs> only fans to the older generations that like if you enjoy magazines and you like hustler and penthouse and you liked consuming your media that way you should subscribe to my only fans because i do high quality artistic and glamour nudes i don't that's mostly my bread and butter is really pretty still fit photos but also to answer your question it's not only the older generation these people <laughs> who book the time kind of actually i'm gonna be really honest with you they are sometimes even around my age like early 30s is when it starts and um it's it's much far few in between with the younger generations it starts increasing in the mid 40s and then increases again in the 50s and then probably the most are like yeah 60s 70s 
But there is this demographic of men who are around my age who they work. Like capitalism has so much of a hold on them that they work so much that they're not able to literally have free time for like romance or or a girlfriend. So the only way that they can consume, you know, girlfriend experience or get arousal is they literally have to kind of do it quickly and in a two-hour experience shooting photos or subscribing to an OnlyFans and watching a video or stuff like that. That's incredibly depressing. It's a little depressing. (laughs) It's a lot depressing. I've actually been going through that with my own job recently. I've been, I'm up for promotion and I'm sitting here being like, do I want to work more? Do I want to be promoted? More money be great. Conversely, I'd kind of like to work less. <laughs> right. Right. And I mean, I actually know quite a few men who are maybe only five years older. They're pretty much in my age demographic and they're like, no, I'm I'm purchasing this ball busting session because I need a I need a sexual cathartic release or whatever. But I mm-hmm. literally don't have time. This is my only this is my first day off in a month. And I'm like, like, yeah. So. Yeah. What would you say is the most popular fetish you've been asked to model? Okay. May I ask you to clarify if you mean my whole career or as of lately? Oh, it sounds like it's different. That uh, it is. What are, the, what are the two answers? The two answers are as of lately, the number two fetishes are feet stuff and wedgie stuff. No, number one Wedgies. right now for me is wedgie. So, I mean. So feet. Feet makes sense because that's the most popular fetish among men. I yeah. happen to know that. But yeah. wedgies? Wedgies sell wedgies. like hot eggs. I've never oh I've never done a fetish that has made me so much immediate deliverable income in my entire life. I've never huh. self-produced content that has made me so much of a positive return as to wedgies. All right. Hold on a second. I'm trying to figure out what this podcast is. There's a there's another podcast I listen to, Shameless Sex. So Shameless Sex podcast, they were discussing, here we go, three podcasts ago, used panties from adult stars. They discussed that they you you could make more money selling used panties with skin marks in them. And now here you are saying that wedgies are the second most popular fetish type photo and i'm like okay i'm seeing a pattern here it's actually my number one right now wedgies are my number one number right one. now wow. and they're i don't have any like fluid or stuff like that in the panties but there there might be some sort of humiliation degradation hmm. i definitely can attest and let you know that wedgies falls somewhere in the bucket or the umbrella of bdsm yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that would be a fetish, but yeah. Oh, my. I didn't either. So I didn't either. And I actually had this producer that asked me, he, he was like, can I pay you and your sister to do a wedgie video? I was like, no. He's like, can I pay you and your sister to do a wedgie video? And I was like, no. What the fuck? That's, <laughs> no. And then he was like, can I pay you and your sister to do a wedgie video? And he kept upping the price. And by that third message, I was like, you want to pay us how much? For 10 minutes? <laughs> yeah. I was like, bet. <laughs> fucking bet. Like, he put, 
he literally put down $200 for 10 minutes for each of us, me and my sister, no nudity. I was like, bet, bet. We well, did it. That's the nice thing about wedgies, right? We did <laughs> or, I'm it. I'm sorry, fetishes. It went like semi-viral. It literally went semi-viral to the point where he wrote on the trailer, who the fuck do you think is the winner? And he made like a poll on Twitter or whatever. And they said that my sister is the winner. And he like did this really cool thing, which I'm not salty at all. He was like, whoever's <laughs> the winner, whoever they vote is the winner. I'm going to give a $50 bonus to. And she got it, which I'm like, that's pretty cool that he did that. Like I, it was just like a really cool experience. He, he made that he, he bought the wedgies, you know, kind of custom or you no know, off site production. It, he made it a really cool experience. And then when people were like, oh my God, he did a wedgie video. Can I, where can I see more? I was like, I don't have no more. I literally, I don't got no more. I don't got no more. <laughs> and so I, I made more so they could buy some. And they, they sell very well for me. I mean, I, I also think that I'm creative. And with all of my wedgie videos, I do come up with some sort of story. There is some sort of storyline. It's not just like girls wedging each other. Like, it's like, um, I'm extorting the girl, like one of them, shout out to Lars Stored. I work with her a lot. We did a wedgie video that you guys should go by where I was her personal trainer and we just like worked out and I was like, okay, well, we just finished your, your extra deluxe week of training. So that'll be $250. And she, oh <laughs> shit. I didn't know that it was going to cost extra for like those extra training and stuff. And I was like, well, of course it costs extra. Like, and so this is the premise of the video. And she's like, oh, shit, I don't have the money. And I'm like, well, there's something that I'm kind of into for entertainment that you could do instead. <laughs> like, I was like the pervy. She's like, and I'm like, yeah, can, yeah. Uh, can I wedge? You want to wedge each other? And she's like, what? And I'm like, well, you could that, do that or, or give me the $250. And she's like, oh, shit, I don't have $250, man. It's like we're wedging each other. And then so we're yeah. wedging each other. And it's really fun. Oh. And. All the fabrics just hoisted up our high knees and I oh hire a, a videographer every time. <laughs> yeah. And uh I've seen I've seen the some of your tweets. Jazzy J's first wedgie competition. Yeah. That's a wow. she's a really nice model in the area. And we did a full day of modeling and she never did any wedgies. And so we that that videos are like her we're like doing a wedgie competition and she's never wedgied before. And, so actually with girls who have never wedgied before, I try to do like first intro video where it's like a competition or like, let's try this out because girls or people that have experience in giving and getting wedgies is much different than people that don't. People, this is going to sound silly, but because it is in the BDSM umbrella, you do have to sure. know how to do it. Like there is actually a way to properly wedgie people and like, hmm. yeah. I have to actually train models. And there have been quite a few times on set where I'm like, you're not doing it right. Go harder. Wedge you like more vigor. Come on. Put your back into that's, it. Really wedging me. Look like you want to hurt me. Like, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I, okay. So that's my number one current seller. My number one overall seller has, for my entirety of my career, has just been naked Ziva. Artistic nudes, just me naked. I have... I have perky titties and small, like, perky nipples. So hmm. as I started and before I was doing more fetish, people just wanted to see me naked. That's crazy. Who does that? Right. My God. <laughs> All right. 
We are just about out of time. And apparently I should have scheduled like a three hour discussion because we've gone through like half these questions. No, 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 no. That's awesome. In fact, what I'm, I wrote down a note here that we should probably talk in like four or five months about coming back on or something. That would be great. And I could do a part two or like even finish this one that that I would really enjoy that. Well, because we, we didn't talk about how do you do fetish and new work in public. We didn't talk about working with male models. We didn't talk about the social media stuff. We didn't yeah. talk about the clothing related. We didn't talk about inflation fetishes. Yeah, uh, just, and the clothing is a big thing. Yeah, and yeah. The not getting caught in public is a big thing. And I do have stories. I have I, I have one <laughs> crazy story, actually. Hold on. Let's finish the podcast first. Yeah. And then we can talk. All right. So, Siva, do you have any projects that you want to plug? Yes, I work on a monthly content creating event. So if you are a femme content creator in the Phoenix area, please contact me. My booking email is bookingzivafay. That's B-O-O-K-I-N-G-Z-I-V-A at gmail.com. You guys can find me at Twitter at zivafay. That's at sign Z-I-V-A-F-E-Y. You can basically find almost all of my goodies via Twitter. I'm on FetLife. I'm on Sex Panther. I'm on OnlyFans. I have a free and a paid one. My free one is ZivaFayXXX. You guys can email me any questions, and I am always available for customs, Skypes, bookings. I am a full-time content creator and traveling model, so don't be afraid to find my links. Contact me and... See what hot videos I have. Like, I have a lot of hot fetish videos since we've been talking about fetish. I have over, like, 150 videos on my Manivid store at Ziva Fay available. So I bet you, if you have a fetish and you are listening to this and you're like, she sounds cute, go, go look at my channel. And I, and I probably have done that fetish. And if I haven't, I promise you I'm open for customs. <laughs> nice. All right. And with that, we are done. Check us out at the NSFWPhotographyPodcast.com. On Twitter as at NSFWPhotography. Instagram at the NSFWPhotographyPodcast. And subscribe on your favorite podcast app.